Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. Today we're going to talk to uscfootball.com beat writer Dan Weber about stuff that was happening at Pac-12 Media Day, looking forward to fall camp which starts this weekend, the Bryce Dixon situation, lots of your questions, so a lot to get to on the USC football team. We're counting down the hours now until fall camp starts and we want to make it interactive. Like I said, we got some questions coming in. Send us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com if you have a question, or you can leave us a voicemail a couple of different ways. You can call 641-715-3900, extension 816-646. Hit the pound side, leave a voicemail there. Try to keep it brief. Or you can go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page and leave a voicemail right from your computer or your device. And, of course, lots of different ways to consume the podcast, and we have a new URL on iTunes. So if you go to itunes.com, slash peristyle podcast that will take you right to the peristyle podcast page please go in and uh subscribe to the channel to our peristyle podcast channel if you haven't left us feedback please leave us feedback positive feedback be great it all helps out with the peristyle podcast we really would appreciate it and without further ado let's bring in dan weber uscfootball.com beat writer and columnist what's up dan how you doing oh uh Doing good. Can't wait. Uh, it, it is, uh, you know, that last uh, couple of days before we actually, uh, you know, really get it going. And it's, uh, it's pretty exciting. Uh, and, you know, this team, uh, has a lot of talent, uh, a lot of youth, a lot of, uh, looks like some, some real leaders. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, there's just an awful lot to kind of be looking forward to, to say, you know, I wonder how this is going to turn out. It's got a chance. And I guess what you, always ask for going into a season is to have a chance you know this could be something that that could happen and it could work out and uh, you can't ask for anything more than that right now I think that's a great way to put it this team certainly has a chance we were at Pac-12 media day they were picked to win the not only the south but the overall conference and uh so that was that was very interesting I I don't think Dan I talked to anybody and I think that was a little surprising I I think you know those of us who see them every day and say, okay, we understand, you know, what they can do and all of that. I think we were a little surprised that, uh, that they, uh, you know, picked them to, to win it overall. Certainly. Yeah. I don't I think, think I that's... talked to anybody that picked USC to, like I picked USC to win the South, but I picked Oregon to win it all. I don't know. Who, I, I think you did too, Dan. Um, I think so. I think that's who you, but, but did, would, did you talk to anyone else that picked USC to win the whole thing? No, uh, no, I, I don't. I'm, I'm kind of interesting, uh, interested in, 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 cause it was, you know, it wasn't real close. You know, it was kind of like, okay, they're definitely, uh, you know, the pick. And, uh, I found that kind of interesting. But then when you watch Media Day unfold, or both of them, uh, there was more interest in USC. I mean, there were, you know, now you say, well, they're in LA or whatever. It just there was a little more buzz about USC. Uh, it was it was kind of interesting to watch, and if you didn't have that same sense the day before about UCLA, um, you know, in Arizona State, I know they really are, you know, excited about you know where they're going, and uh, and obviously Oregon. I think Oregon might have been a little bit, you know, <laughs> you you put up the uh, you know the piece about uh, was Sark taking a little shot. 
I think Sark kind of reflexively just says things like, um, uh, we don't need 13 uniforms, you know, 13 games, blah, blah, blah. I think more of that is to just appease USC fans who uh, he wants to make sure uh, if you're somebody that wants a new uniform every game, you're not getting that if you're a USC fan. That's just not who USC is. That's not what they do. And uh, I just think he kind of, you know, wants to reinforce that. I could see how that people at Oregon might have said, you know, that might have been a little bit of a shot. And it probably was a little bit of a shot without even thinking that much about it. But, uh, but I do think Oregon was kind of like at the, at the point of, gee, what do we got to do to, you know, they're, they're not sure about their quarterback situation. But other than that, I'm thinking they're probably thinking maybe they still should have gotten, uh, gotten a pick and, and didn't. Um, and then when you're talking about having a chance and obviously USC has a lot of talent returning, one player that we did not think was returning that really could be a difference maker, and you wrote about him in your tight end preview, uh, was Bryce Dixon. So maybe you want to give people kind of an update on that situation. Yeah, we can't go into too many of the details at this point. It's something that's kind of un- unfolding, but uh, that there is a chance for you know people who are, you know, the whole situation, the student conduct, you know, hearing and and decision that Bryce would be out of school and all of that kind of goes along you know goes on under the radar under everything I mean there's just no no information that comes out on that and so uh, uh, we're not going to be able to give you a lot of information right now other than that there's a you know a process underway that people close to Bryce think he's really got a chance to be back uh, for uh, for the start of, you know, start of the August uh, semester and, and back for practice. And that, that, uh, that maybe even they're a little surprised that, that at, at the turn of events, that this has kind of turned in kind of in Bryce's favor very quickly. And, uh, uh, we may know more by the end of the week. We may know more, you know, next week sometime, but, um, but those who would know the most and the best seem to think there's a serious chance that uh, that Bryce is going to be able to to play this year. So that would be that would change a lot of things. He he gives them a dimension that's uh, again that shouldn't be the focus, you know, in terms of it shouldn't be about his him as a football player. It should be about him as a uh, a student at USC getting a fair hearing, getting a fair shot, not getting, you know, any kind of a, a railroad job, not getting any kind of a deal where, you know, it was one-sided against him or anything like that. So, I mean, that's what I think we've always hoped for, that he just be treated fairly. Uh, and then the, the rest of it is, you know, people say, well, if you weren't a football player, you wouldn't, you know, you know I, this isn't about him being a football player in terms of getting back and getting, a, you know, a chance and all of that. However, you know, if that does happen, he is a football player. And, you know, the latest, you know, we're hearing is that he's, uh, he's been working on his speed this summer. He, he did, uh, enroll at Oxnard College, uh, to get some credits. He, uh, in the second semester, uh, apparently had, uh, had a 3.0, uh, when the whole, you know, all of this is able to be sorted out in terms of, you know, um, his leaving school and all that. Uh, uh, we hear he's 
measuring in at right about six foot six, two forty five, and 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 they're thinking that he's probably running under a four or five forty. So all of those things, you would like to see him, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, get the chance. And I think one of the things that's been kind of special about this is in all of the of what's happened, you've never heard Bryce saying, I want to get out of USC. I don't want to come back. I want to go somewhere else. I want to trans." You've, you've heard none of that. And I think that's uh, that's the kind of, you know, loyalty, I guess, in, in terms of Bryce. I mean, he's just crazy about, you know, being at USC and being a, you know, a USC football player. And um, so, so how that works out, you know, we don't know for sure, but we know it's in a whole different place than it was maybe even a week ago. Yeah, some promising news there, Dan. So everyone stay tuned for that and definitely check out Dan's uh, tight end preview uh, up on the site on uscfootball.com. Some more details and stuff there. Um, well, let's jump into the questions, Dan, if that's cool with you. We have a uh, sure. question. Well, we'll just start with a voicemail question. This one's from Randall. Here you go. What's going on, guys? This is Randall down in Dallas. My question is for Dan. I want to get your opinion on uh, in case Coach Sark decides to call plays during the fall and uh, not allow Coach Helton to continue to call as he did in the spring. Um, is that going to show the maturity that he needs to better the team? Or are we going to be repeating the same mistakes from last year? Uh, thank you, and fight on. You know, it's interesting. In the media guide, I hadn't noticed this the first time through. In the overall, you know, kind of outlook, there's a, a sentence in there that says, Coach, you know, Sark, with the help of Coach, uh, Coach Helton, will, you know, call the plays, da 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 da. But they made it clear with the, you know, the help of Coach Helton is, is, you know, kind of, and I don't remember that from a year ago. I don't either. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, and I just, I just caught that today and going through the, the media guide online and thinking, oh, wait, that's a, that's a little nugget that just seems to be a little different. And we all know that there was the, you know, the hint at the Notre Dame game that, you know, that, that Coach Helton, you know, had done a lot of, a lot of that. And, uh, I'll be interested to see how, how that, how that works out. I mean, it would, you would like the head coach to, to not have to be worrying about scripting the plays to start the game, scripting the plays at halftime, that kind of thing. You would, we would like to, for example, if, if you're really having trouble handling uh, the Boston College option because they're blocking it a little differently and it's a little different look and you're just getting ripped up. You'd like the head coach to be able to spend the entire halftime working with the defensive coordinator and figuring out exactly what what adjustments you have to make. So, so I mean, it'll be interesting to see where that goes in terms of, of this team and and, uh, and 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 what they do, and I I tend to agree with you that you would like to see maybe, um, you know, the, the offensive coordinator who kind of, you know, oversees uh, uh, the offensive calls in practice and 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 kind of in charge there to just basically keep that going during the you know the games. But uh, I, I you know I think with coaches like Lane uh, was and with uh, when Sark when you're identity has, you know, been the play caller. Uh, I think that is probably hard to give up. Uh, but, 
but I think it might be, you know, a good indicator on, you know, where and how this is going. I know if you compare it to Pete, Pete, you know, came in and he was pretty, he was his own defensive coordinator for much of the time. And I know Pete said a couple of things to, you know, the Sark and the guys that coached for him. He said, you know, one, you got to be yourself. You got to be your own guy, your man. You can't be somebody else. And secondly, he always emphasized to him, you're the head coach and you are responsible for everything. So, um, you know, there's, there's, there's things that kind of, you know, compete with one another in some ways in terms of, you know, what's the right answer, you know, for this football team. But, uh, but yeah, I wouldn't have any problems. I don't think having Coach Helton essentially call all the plays and have, you know, have Sark with all the input, you know, he's got all the input he needs that, uh, I always thought, I mentioned this once that one of the reasons in the Stanford game last year that you needed Pat Hayden to come down and take over the discussions with the, you know, Pac-12 officials who were going into let's give the game to Stanford, you know, mode, uh, was that Sark was so busy calling the plays, he didn't have time to talk to the officials and to handle that part of it. You want your head coach to be able to handle that kind of thing. And, uh, and not necessarily be so, you know, bogged down in calling the plays. So that's my take there. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, let's go to Nick in Cyprus and he was having some voicemail trouble. So Nick, I, I, I tested it out. 641-715-3900 and you dial extension 816-646 hit the pound sign. You should be able to hear my voice and leave a voicemail. So, uh, give it another shot, but. He wanted an update on Bryce Dixon, which you already gave, but he wanted to know about Jalen Cope Fitzpatrick, what his status was as well. I don't think we know. I mean, the last we heard, you know, Rodney was uh, Sark saying he's still, you know, battling uh, his eligibility issues. And, and you got to guess once you miss it, and as, as uh, Jalen did last fall, once you miss being eligible, you're probably as as you proceed along, you know, in your uh, you know, college undergraduate, you know, program, the uh the requirements are uh stiffer in terms of NCA requirements for grade point averages and cumulative and all that kind of thing. So you're probably always gonna be behind the eight ball a little bit and uh that does seem to be you know where Jalen is and, and, and there do seem to be some other issues involved that uh, that he's had, that he's, you know, working with and trying to get through. Uh, we did see him some, uh, didn't, he wasn't there in the summer at the beginning and he wasn't there at the finish. He did, uh, he did make some, you know, workouts in the middle of the summer, but, um, uh, but we really don't know. I think, you know, it's, it's kind of weird that we kind of have a, almost a better sense of where Bryce Dixon's going to be than, than where Jalen's going to be. We really don't know. Okay. Uh, thanks for that one. Let's go to Jeff. He says, what do you think Sark and Wilcox learned last season and losing three games in the final minute slash seconds, and what adjustments do they need to make? That's pretty open-ended. <laughs> well, yeah, I think they learned that you probably can't just hold, hope you can hold on not in the Pac-12, uh, that you probably got to figure out a way that you can, uh, you know, put people away. And, you know, one of the other things that, you know, if you can't do it with your offense and they kind of, you know, 
seized up a little bit on offense toward the end and couldn't get first downs against Utah and Arizona State on the ground. Uh, maybe you have to take some chances with your defense. And as, as Ryan, you know, pointed out with that one, uh, piece and the study on the lack of blitzing, uh, maybe you have to do some things to try to get people bad plays. And, and I know they didn't trust, uh, the secondary, especially, uh, the young secondary. Uh, and so they, they kind of, Instead of saying we're going to go out and try to give somebody a bad play, they just kind of tried to hold on and hope the other team made a bad play. And unfortunately, Utah didn't. Unfortunately, Arizona State didn't. And, um, you know, luckily Arizona missed that field goal. Uh, but, um, hopefully they, you know, and I, I used the word hopefully and I, I was thinking Friday that one of my hopefullys is that Sark doesn't say hopefully too much. <laughs> he, he just just does it. And uh, you don't want to be, as a football coach, you probably don't want to be thinking, hopefully this happens or hopefully that happens or hopefully, no, you got to make it, you got to make it happen. And I think that's what on defense. Now, I think they learned their lessons that the way they tried to do it last year, they may have overreacted to the limited scholarships. They'd never gone through a year with limited scholarships, and I think that was a real learning lesson. So, so you've got that going for them. They, you know, they, for example, um, when they their push came to shove and they were backs against the wall after the UCLA game, and here you got a Notre Dame team, which as much as the Notre Dame people talked about how many injuries they had, they had a whole lot more scholarship players available for that game than USC did. And USC just went out and, and blew them out of the water. And they didn't, you know, worry about, oh, we've only got 48 scholarship players or whatever the number was for that game. They just went out and said, we're going to take them out and we're going to play, you know, to our strengths. And, um, that seems to work for me. Uh, so hopefully that's the lesson you want them to learn is, uh, play to your talents, play to, you know, try to beat people. Don't try to, you know, hope they beat themselves and, um, and, and see what happens, you know. And this year, I think one of the things that is going to buoy up the coaches, uh, in terms of both practice and games is there are a whole lot more players available with, with the, uh, injured guys coming back. I mean, they did have the, whatever, 19 season ending injuries last year and starting with a, a lower number to begin with. And then, um, so you get a lot of those guys back and you get this, you know, freshman class coming in. And, uh, uh, I, I just think they're going to coach with more confidence and they're going to call games and game plan with more confidence. So one would hope those are the, the lessons that, you know, they picked up out of, out of this year. And I, I, I'm optimistic that, that, that they have. Uh, well, I think JD from DC is not quite as optimistic, Dan. And I'm going to read you his question. He says, after listening to Sark at Pac-12 Media Day, I got the sense he was on top of certain things, especially the tactical stuff, tactical discrete things like we need to be more aggressive, code for play more man and blitz. But he says, I also get the sense he's still in a bit of denial about the bitter picture. As Bill Parcells is fond of saying, ultimately at the end of the season, you are what your record says you are. And he put in parentheses, USC was very fortunate to win several games last year, and the coaching argument adjustments going into games and at halftime were poor slash absent throughout the season. Does he get that depth and experience alone aren't going to win the division this year, let alone 
beat Oregon. That's JD from DC. Yeah, I, I, that's true. I mean, uh, depth and experience will help. Uh, I mean, look at the year though that they had with with Lane in uh, 2011 when they realized, you know, Mac Khalil can really block people, and if we put uh, Rhett Ellison at the H back, it doesn't matter who we're running. We're going to block people at the point of attack, and if we can do that, then we can throw the ball pretty much anywhere. And, you know, by the end of the year, that team might have beaten anybody in the country. Okay, they had a couple of stumbles and uh, and all of that. What you're hoping this year is that the stumbles don't exactly happen or they've got enough talent to, to get through them and that they learn this is how, you know, we beat people. This is who we are. And this is how we're going to be able to do it. And you just, you know, you just keep the pedal to the metal and all that kind of thing. You just, uh, you just go out there and say, we're going to make plays on every play and, and we're going to let, I mean, I think the thing you'd like to see them do on defense is, and, and the thing that Pete's teams were so good at is they freed their playmakers up to make plays. You know, I mean, Matt grew to good wasn't the you know the greatest physical specimen at linebacker that you've ever seen, but he could make plays and he made plays. He made game turning plays. Uh Lofa Tatupa was, you know, a similar kind of a player where those guys had the kind of ability and they were also freed in the system to be able to make plays. And even last year with Leonard Williams, as good as he was, as good as he is, I'm not sure we saw a guy that had all that much freedom to make, you know, make plays on defense. And I think they're going to have to have that. Uh, and, and the same with offense. I think, you know, you gotta, you know, get the ball, uh, to your playmakers and you gotta have really, you know, confidence that they're going to make plays. And, you know, and I'm going to beat this horse, to, you know, to death, uh, the Utah game when you're third and two on their 27. With a couple of minutes left to go in the game, and you got the ball and the lead, you've got to win that game. And you come up and run a couple of trick plays, that's ridiculous. And you can't do that. That tells your players you don't trust them. Tells your players they're not good enough. Or when you change the game plan and try to do something different for UCLA, um, no, that's, you just, you gotta, you know, believe in what you're doing, believe in who you are. And, uh, and trust your players to, to get it done. And, uh, I think we'll see, you know, I'm more confident that that's gonna, you know, that's gonna happen. And some of that'll be because guys like Cody and, um, Adori and Sua are gonna kinda, you know, make it clear that's how they're gonna play. And I think, you know, they're gonna have more standing to, to, to say this is how we're gonna play. Um, Here's a question, Dad. This is back about Pac-12 Media Days. I probably should have asked you this a little bit earlier. I forgot that uh, we had this one, so I apologize for that. But he said the Pac-12 Media Days were amazingly lame. The pinata by the TV interview area. He's like a pinata. The beep beep beep, and he's referring to uh, during our podcast that we taped, uh, podcast of champions. Um, they were doing a lot of work in the media room, so there was a lot of beeping and stuff going on, kind of annoying all of the the media that were working there and us too, because we were taping something. Uh, he says, my question is why who thinks this goofy, goofy atmosphere is a good way to go. You guys did a great job for us. Thanks. But the product the PAC 12 put out was just plain stupid. Wow. 
Tyler in Sammamish, Washington, home of Max Brown, right? Yeah, there you go. Hey, a pretty uh, astute observation. I will say this. Media days are mostly just what you said. But uh, I think lame was probably a really good word for, for this one. Well, you know, it was interesting to look at all the sound stages at Warner Brothers and, uh, you know, the, the thought. And, and this is where uh, give Chris Dufresne of the L.A. Times the absolute – gold star for coming up with the best piece of uh, whether it's uh, useless information or trivial information but he made the point that Casablanca the classic one of the classic movies of all time was made on a Warner Brothers sound stage in like I don't know 1943 or whatever for a million dollars the same amount that the Pac-12 spent for those two media days <laughs> at Warner Brothers. I'm thinking they got their money's worth out of Casablanca. I'm not sure they got their money's worth. You're right. The piñata was beyond lame. There, I mean, we probably can't say the words that, you know, would describe that idea. Uh, yeah, they, they need, needed a little more help, but I will say this. I still remember, I think the first time I covered SEC media days in Birmingham, and I, we were getting back late for uh, the afternoon session, and as we're, you know, a couple of us were kind of running through, we realized uh, outside the banquet or the, you know, the uh, meeting room is this guy who looks really familiar. And then as we get closer, we say, "Hey, that's Bo Jackson." And so we don't even bother to go in. We just stay there and talk to Bo Jackson, and he's saying pretty much the same thing. He said. This is the lamest thing. He said, I wish I didn't have to be here. He said, if I didn't have to play football, you know, he said, if I could make money, you know, as a pro track and field guy, he said, that's what I'd do. And then we're like, you know, this is the greatest stuff of all. And, and the, you know, dog and pony show or whatever you want to call it that they do on these media days. I will say this, the, uh, the Pac-12, you could call it lame. The SEC, the biggest thing that happened four days SEC media days for over a thousand media in Birmingham and the only storyline that came out were the fancy shoes that the coaches were wearing. <laughs> you know, which ones were like spangled up more than the others? Were there was it the Adidas shoes or the uh you know the Nike shoes? And it was like, that's your biggest story out of four days at SEC Media Day. So this wasn't a big year for for really big stories at Media Day, but but lame is probably a good word for for where the the Pac-12 was uh, Friday Thursday Friday. Yeah, and you know, in the defense of the Pac-12, which I don't do a whole lot, it was a big enough room this year, which last year it wasn't. The internet worked great, so and I didn't like that it was way up in Burbank. That's that's pretty far, but it it was I think it was better than they fixed some of the problems that we had last year at least. But yeah, there was some kitschy stuff around there. It just wasn't really my I never got to see really a whole lot of the pinata stuff. Um, but I think they tried to make it, you know, try to create some kind of fun, uh, you know, atmosphere in there that just, it's just kind of forced, but it's not as formal as SEC media days. It's a little more fun. They're wearing polos and stuff. Uh, but yeah, there was, there was definitely some, some shortcomings too. Yeah. And for those of us, you guys don't get to see it. It is kind of interesting, you know, once, you know, one, uh, you know, to go to the different movie, movie studios, you know, and Warner's, Warner Brothers, they have this kind of block that 
looks like, you know, 1890s, whatever, downtown with a theater and a hotel, and they made it look like the, what is it, Gilmore Hotel in Portland, where they, uh, 100 years ago, by the way, Ryan, did you know this is the 100th anniversary of the Pac-12? I heard that, Dad. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that was a little difficult. That 100th logo, if we saw it once, we saw it 10,000 times. Uh, but they made this uh, building exterior look like the Gilmore Hotel must have looked like uh, 100 years ago and, and, and all of that. And that was kind of cool. But you guys don't probably get much of the benefit uh, of that, and it's not very easy to, to kind of, you know, show that off to you. But so, you know, for, for some of us, you know, getting on the Warner Brothers lot is kind of a – neat thing. I mean, I would say this, of all the different studios that we've been to, Warner Brothers looks like they're doing the most work. I mean, they've got the most, uh, you know, sound stages, it looks like, and, and they, they look busy as heck. So yeah. uh, there's a lot going on there. And that was that was interesting, uh, you know, to, to to get to see that, but it doesn't add that much to, to Pac-12 Media Day, you know, from your standpoint. But, um, but for us, it was uh, that kind of that was kind of interesting, but uh, 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 other than that, uh, it's really hard. I, I wouldn't want to be, uh, you know, challenged with uh, with coming up with a format for these things anymore. It's just, uh, it's just, you know, you can only do so much. And, and, I, and I think the biggest negative was that the half dozen of some of the, of the most interesting and most, uh, you know, uh, are the players that really needed to be there weren't there uh the kevin hogan miles jack you know a lot of guys that that uh you know their coaches ended up talking about or people ended up i mean they would bring a a player or two players each of them would and you would end up talking to those players about the guys who weren't there (laughs) which just seemed like you know half the guys that people were really interested in you know at the at Pac-12 media that like Scooby Wright, you know, and wasn't there. And he's by far the most decorated, you know, player in the league. And with, you know, one of the most compelling stories and all of that. And, uh, all the Arizona people spent the whole time talking about him and, you know, why he wasn't there. And, um, that's probably not, I think that's where the Pac-12 probably needs to say to those, you know, the different coaches that, no, you got to bring this guy. Uh, there's, too much interest in him. You got to bring him. Um, all right, we got a couple more. We'll get these done real quick. Uh, Tarek wants to know: Should we expect Sark to work on changing the blocking on bubble screens so that they are as effective as UCLA's? It seems we have better receivers than them, but none of the offensive linemen block on those screens. Yeah, I think they've got to start making. Uh, you know, it's not that hard. UCLA just runs them with bigger guys, and they run them more like a running play. And, you know, it's like, okay, they're going to do it again, and you're not going to – and then you watch USC, and they run it like a finesse play with, you know, smaller people. And UCLA just comes up and crushes them. And then it goes – it flips, and they're on offense, and they run it, you know, like it's a flying wedge. And, uh, uh, yeah, I think there have to be some adjustments there. I mean, I just think against UCLA, you better be ready to – you know, play that thing like it's a power run, and um, USC's got to be ready to, you know, to, to really block it. You can't just figure, you know, they're all going to fall down. Uh, you know, you just, 
just yeah that that those two plays the way USC ran it against UCLA the way UCLA ran it against USC were so indicative of how that you know the whole game planning for that game was just screwed up. Uh, we got one last one, Garrett in Seattle, Dan. He says, why isn't there more outcry over the disparity and the cost of scholarship stipends that are going in, into effect this year? The difference in amounts schools are giving out are huge and could be used as a recruiting advantage. It's by no mistake the SEC is leading the way with several schools among those with the highest stipends. How can some schools be providing $5,000 plus while other schools like USC only giving out $1,500? The fact that schools are allowed to settle their own costs is ludicrous and provides an avenue for corruption and cheating on many different levels. I can't believe there hasn't been more of an outcry on this as it's going to have a huge impact on recruiting going forward. Thanks and fight on Garrett in Seattle. Yeah, Garrett, I did ask uh, Larry Scott that very question and brought up the Alabama case where all of a sudden, you know, their like uh, cost of education has doubled for some reason and and I thought Rich Rod uh, noted that, and he said, you know, he had a couple of interesting points. He said, one, he said, uh, it's not a big deal. He said a lot of schools have probably been doing that already for years. He says that's what, you know, he said rumor has it that a lot of schools have already been taking care of that, over, you know, in recent years. And he said now it's just legal. <laughs> and he said the second point he made was, he said it's kind of interesting in these small college towns that are kind of similar the cost of education adjustment could be so different and he just let it go at that larry scott said it's technically not supposed to be in the hands of the athletic department and i said okay who do you think made the decision at the university of alabama for that uh you know that number and, and he said he doesn't think a lot of schools are going to do it. Uh, I think Tennessee is right in there with another one that, you know, mysteriously their costs have just gone really a lot higher. Um, I, I'll be interested to see how that plays out this year because you would think the other schools in their conference wouldn't let them do that. I mean, how can it be that much more, to, you know, at Alabama than it is at, you know, in Starkville, you know, at Mississippi State? I mean, you would just think, People are going to say that. Now, what they tell me is that, for example, for USC, if you change that number, it changes a whole lot of other things for all the students in the school. And so that there are some downsides. If you bump up that number, uh, it changes uh, other things that have nothing to do with athletics. And it changes them in ways in which, uh, you know, people aren't going to be very happy. So uh, I think we're going to have to let this year play out. But I do think you will have people, you know, saying to a kid, well, if you go there, you're going to get 30 extra dollars a week. If you go to our place, you're going to get 100 extra dollars a week. Where do you want to go? Um, I, I, I think there's going to have to be a solution, I think, somehow to that issue. Uh, before the end of next year, I would guess. Yeah, makes sense. All right, well, Dan, we appreciate it. Great stuff. Um, it's always fun to chat about media days and all that stuff. Can't wait for fall camp this weekend. So next time we talk to you, it'll be talking about actual football, talking about fall camp, guys and pads, things like that. So it should be fun. Yep, can't wait. Uh, it cannot come soon enough. 
Certainly not. All right. Well, that's Dan Weber. Thanks so much, Dan, for coming on the show. And everyone else, you've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will talk to you next time on the show. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.